Hello everybody, good morning and so on and so forth. Uh, this is the Digitally Uploaded Podcast. I'm Matt Sainsbury, editor-in-chief of digitallydownloaded.net. And with me this week we have Ginny. Hello Ginny. Hey, how's it going? All good, yourself? Not too bad. <laughs> That's good to hear. And we also have Priscilla. Hello Priscilla. Hi everyone. So we also were going to have Alan on, but unfortunately Alan had some rather amusing technical issues um, where his microphone would break out into dubstep every <laughs> couple of minutes, which would have been great, but he seemed to think that it might have disrupted the podcast, unfortunately. So no Alan this week, hopefully next week. But anyway, we'll go into some music, some Hatsune Miku music, and Alan can't complain about it because he's not here, which is great. And we'll come back and we'll talk about No Mare Side to Side. Welcome back, everybody. So for the first section of the podcast, we thought we'd talk about No Man's Sky, which might sound a bit weird since it's uh, been over a year since that game came out. Two years? A year? It's been a while. Um, but there's a really big update coming, and uh, there's been a lot of 
talk about the game and the response that people had to it on release and how it's been updated over the months since. Um, I don't know, did either of you play No Man's Sky when it was originally released or since then, since some of the updates have come through? No, I bought it and then it was stolen when my PS4, so I never oh, got no. a chance. <laughs> That's my No Man's Sky experience. Oh, no. <laughs> um, well, I didn't have mine stolen, thank God. <laughs> um and and i have i did play it um quite a bit when it first came out but then um kind of tapered out when other games kind of came into the into the play but i remember enjoying a lot what actually was out on release and sort of feeling like a lot of people were piling onto it and and being a little bit unfair um you know towards the game but um i guess the developers have taken on the the um, advice from the vocal majority, perhaps, and are now making changes to No Man's Sky that um maybe moving it away from the game that I was the most excited for when it released, I think. Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting one, is it? Because for people who are listening and who maybe aren't so familiar with No Man's Sky, the game was really touted as a big deal by Sony and the developer, which is Hello Games, uh, and was released and it wasn't quite what people thought it was going to be, I think is the best way to put it. Uh, there's There was a lot of accusations of the developer lying about it in interviews and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I don't want to get into that debate because I think it's a fairly nonsense one, especially since it's a couple of years old now. But um, yeah, it, it was certainly a controversial game on release, enough so that the developers experienced a lot of harassment as happens when you upset the, the nerds out there. Uh, and they had to basically go back and, and work on the game um, onwards ever since, and they've added a lot of features that people have asked for. This new update is a, is a really big one. It adds multiplayer, which is something that people really wanted right from the start and all that kind of stuff. But a bit like Eugenie, I, I don't know. I've lost my interest in the game, to be honest. Um, when it first came out, uh, I gave it a 5 out of 5 review because I absolutely loved it, and I loved what it was offering and what i loved about it was that sense of emptiness um the kind of the it, it was quite an existentialist game in a way it made you really think about you know purpose and there was a lot of it, it was quite lonely it was it was subtle it was very and it was kind of an empty game but the updates that they've put brought into the game since allow you to build bases and have added more stuff to the game and basically taken away from a lot of what I I came to the game for. So it kind of raises an interesting question whether developers should stick to their original vision or they should listen to uh, the fans, and I say that in inverted commas, um, the fans about what they want to see in the games. Because I think video games is the one art form out there where the developers can actually change what is in a game. Um, based on what they hear from people and whether that's a, a thing or not is it's an interesting discussion I think because imagine if Shakespeare rewrote every play because every every time he was kind of booed um, <laughs> we, wouldn't, we wouldn't have the same plays would we so yeah I don't know what do you think about it do you think developers should go back and fix things um, as such when they get some feedback, somebody doesn't like a feature in a game. 
Um, I think it I think it depends on on the 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 feature or the extent of the fixing. Like, I mean, if a game is bugged, you go in and you fix a bug. I, I don't think that's a problem because obviously your game should probably work unless you you know what I mean your game should probably work at a basic level or be able to do exactly what it what it needs to do um, but I think if people are fundamentally changing the experience then that's a little bit different because if you think about what No Man's Sky Next is offering now you know it is it is changing the game's focus completely from you being, you know, this this lost pilot on a on new planet trying to learn about the world around you and trying to chronicle it and trying to just, you know, get by. Now you can terraform the land pretty much almost instantly, which is, you know, not something you could do before. You now have giant starships that you can live in, um, which used to be like an endgame type goal you know you can now send tiny ships out on missions and and fight things in the galaxy and fight with your mates in the galaxy and do other things like that and it's like i understand that people they're multiplayer and you know serve content games as content and as a service i understand why that model is existing and why it's being integrated but i think that it fundamentally changes the core message of no man's sky and the core philosophy that i perceive when I first played the game now that you can just change everything you can construct stuff you can you can even you know like I think you've just been given so much more freedom and leeway to mess with the previously unforgiving space planet around you that you trivialize the whole exploration aspect I used to land on planet and be like wow these animals look so different so ridiculous this landscape could be deadly you know it could be beautiful and it was just I used to be in awe of the landscapes I would see in No Man's Sky. Now I think when you have the power to change the world around you just without, just, you know, at, a, at the press of a button, the press of a mouse, then where does all that wonder go? You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And for me, it was similar with the multiplayer. One of the one of the core things for me about the experience was the idea that, you know, you are in this uncharted place and you're not going to run into other people. So how does that change how you approach your your, your planet hopping and and how does that change how you think about the the space around you when you know that there's absolutely no chance of basically running into another person this multiplayer thing really dilutes that message and all of a sudden it becomes a community thing and all of a sudden that sense of you know space and space being the central character of the game is lost because all of a sudden you're, you're busy interacting with with other people so that really disappoints me as well and yeah, I don't know. I, for me, uh, I think a developer should stick to their original creative villa, creative vision. And if a person doesn't like the game, then a person doesn't like the game. They don't have to like every game that gets released, you know. Um, mm. But for them to then go and kind of pressure the developer into changing things to suit them, that annoys me because that shows no respect for the creative vision of the developer. Um, there's heaps of games out there that I, I don't like the creative vision of the developer, but rather than go and insist they remove them, um, you know, I'm not whinging to vision to fix Call of Duty by putting <laughs> cute anime girls in the, yeah. in, you know, in, in the, into the game. Yeah, I'm not pressuring them to change Call of Duty to suit my vision of what I want to play. And I think other people should have you know, the same respect. They should uh, respect the developer's original creative vision. It goes for 
everything. I mean, Mass Effect Three. They should have people should have just accepted that that original mm. ending was the ending yeah. that the EA yeah. writers wanted. Um, Dun Devil May Cry, the Ninja Theory one. They should have accepted that. Hey, they wanted to change the dude's hair. They had reasons for that, um, rather than whine about it. You know, accept or don't accept, but just well, sorry. I, I say play or don't play, but accept the creative vision that the developers wanted. They wanted to do something different with the character. So yeah, I, I don't like people changing the creative vision of a game. Uh, or trying to get a developer to change the creative vision of a game. I agree that they should fix bugs. Of course they should fix bugs if they come up. But, yeah, when it comes to narrative, when it comes to art, direction, when it comes to those kinds of things, just leave them as is, Yeah, I think. But anyway, um, I think that was a bit of a rant. Sorry, I didn't mean to get too ranty. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just very sad for No Man's Sky developers. So, or some of the other... I mean, in the news this week, there's been stories been written about the harassment that the developers um, at Hello Games have experienced over the last couple of years because they've been on pretty much media silence. So they're actually out there talking to the media again at the moment. And uh, some of the stories coming out are pretty, pretty miserable and it hasn't been a good week for the games industry. So, yeah, had to get that out of the system. We'll uh, go to some music and we'll talk about something a little bit brighter and happier, I think.
And welcome back, everybody. So, uh, the week, uh, at the end of the week, actually, a new game was released on the Nintendo Switch in Japan, which has made Rhythm Game fans very happy. Uh, Taiko no Tsujin um, for the Nintendo Switch, or the Nintendo Switch version as it's subtitled, uh, is a fairly uh, faithful port, I guess, of the arcade game of Taiko the Drum, as everybody in the West knows. And yeah, I, I wanted to talk about it in the podcast this week because I love this series so very much. And the Switch version is really, really good. So I wanted to use my opportunity on podcast to encourage everyone who listens to it to play the game because it's it's happy. It's one of those games that's really, you know, feel good, very happy to have almost. You can't play a Taiko game and not be really happy, I think. I know you've played a fair few, Ginny. What are your thoughts? I, I, I know you haven't picked up this one. Are you going to grab the Switch one? Um, yeah, I will. I think I've just been waiting for the the um, the, the localization in the hopes that it's going to release with a full set of um, that drum set that I've seen the Japanese physical version comes with. Yes. So I want that because um, I used to play Taiko in the arcades a lot. Um <laughs> when I was in college and there used to be this old arcade around the corner from my dorm room. And basically when I wasn't um, being really nerdy and studying really hard, <laughs> um, I was all playing World of Warcraft. I was playing Taiko. And um, I remember when I, you know, I never used to really think arcades were, were a big thing for me. I mean, I love rhythm games, but I could play Oso on my own computer or I could play the Love Live rhythm game, you know, it was whatever. But then when I went to this arcade and I saw the Taiko drum stand and like, you know, it was sort of all fully done up with that, like the little drums and the little tiger and the little worm animal all decorating the cabinet and the music was blaring and it was Nintendo music, it was music from Super Mario. And I was like, what on earth is happening? So I walked over there and I saw the drumsticks and I was like, okay, cool. I guess it's a rhythm game. And just one thing that struck me so much was the sheer variety of songs that were on there. And also just how animated people would get playing it. Like it was probably one of the most popular machines at the arcade. But like, unlike, you know, when people were doing like DDR or they were doing Tekken or Street Fighter, they would look so serious, like, you know, and just so like intense and so focused. Every time someone played Taiko, even if it was like on really, really hard, they were always laughing, you know, they were always like jostling each other. Like it just seemed like a really great, fun time. And so I went home. And when I wasn't playing Taiko at the arcade, I was playing the Taiko, I was playing Osu, but with the Taiko skin over it on my computer. So needless to say, Taiko has been a huge part of my arcade cabinet life. And yeah, no, I agree with Matt. I think it's a game that is completely accessible, um, mechanically very simple. I know a lot, a lot of rhythm games now have like things like, you know, have swiping and tapping mechanics. Taiko is very simple. You bash a drum, you bash the inside of the drum at a certain kind of button that appears on the screen and you bash the outside of the drum. And something else happens and you beat the drum every time you see it fly across the screen so mechanically it's really simple a kid could play it and kids do play it at the arcade that's near my place still but it's just something about the songs that they've got on there you know the the the, the kind of soundtrack that's got, that they've got going the whole aesthetic the happy animals the happy drums just everything about the game is very uplifting so I think it's a great first arcade game or drill game for kids. And I hope that it sells out immensely here because I know it must be popular in Japan. Yeah, it's been pretty popular for a long time in Japan. It's basically a mainstay of arcades over there as well. And every time you go to an arcade, you'll see people 
beating along with uh, the music. Um, like you said, I, I think what's most appealing about it is firstly how ridiculously colorful it all is. I don't think there is a more colorful game mm. series out there than these ones. And as an interesting bit of trivia, the uh, the character of Taiko the drum is actually designed by um, Yukiko uh, Yoko, who is Yoko Taro's wife. Oh, so, really? Uh, oh. Yeah, yeah, that's a bit of trivia Ooh, that nice. people don't realize. Yeah, so she's uh, she's a very talented artist in her own, own mm. right, of course, and she's actually the reason that those drums look the way they do, being ridiculously cute and charming and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, the colouring, the, the colour and the, the vibrancy and the cuteness of it, um, the art style is certainly an appealing thing. And like you said as well, the music is hugely appealing because the drum uh, pulls, pulls music from anime, from Japanese films, from J-pop, from Vocaloids. Uh, and basically everything to do with, I, I guess, Japanese nerd as well, um, pulls all that music together. So it's actually recognizable about topping hits uh, in Japan. It's uh, Hatsumiku, like you can hear her voice in some of the tracks. Uh, there's whatever your favorite anime is. There's probably one or two tracks from it in the game as well. So it's one of those ones where uh, with most most rhythm, rhythm games, I guess you come to them and, and you probably don't know much of the music uh, unless it's like, a, you know, um, what's the EA one? Drum uh, band. Band Harry. Band, yeah, those ones. Yeah. So those ones obviously use music that people recognize, but most rhythm games, especially from Japan, use um, or from Asia, uh, use music that you wouldn't necessarily recognize. Taiko the drum actually uses music that you would know before you start to play the game, which is, which is a nice touch. Certainly helps you get into it really quickly, and then yeah, like you said, Jenny, it's so easy to play. Um, they're so easy to play. They're not easy games in terms of doing, you know, getting scores because. They can be the the beat maps can be challenging, and you have to have you know a good sense of timing and all that kind of stuff. But in terms of learning how to play it, anybody can do it, and that's that's the thing. Anybody can pick up this game and have a lot of fun with it. So, yeah, yeah. So in the last two days, this game's gone from being not on my radar to being the game that I want most on the Switch. <laughs> It is perfect for the Switch. It really is. And um, you can play it multiplayer when you're out and about as well because, you know, the Switch is obviously um, a portable multiplayer console uh, that you can stick in your pocket, basically. And it has, a, a on top of the actual core rhythm game, the Switch one has a whole bunch of little mini games which are fun in their own right as well uh, and really gives the game a, a party feel. So, uh, yeah, anybody can get involved with it and... I think I, I would imagine that this game will be on quite high on people's multiplayer radars for, for parties and whatever for quite a while, I think, because it's, yeah, it's fun for all ages and fun for everybody. Completely inoffensive. Yeah, I agree. And uh, it has the, there's a couple of extra tracks on there for people who uh, Taiko the drum uh masters people have played a lot of them there's a couple of extra tracks on this one there's some music from kirby which is great and oh. kirby's actually an avatar in the game as well so he shows up there's also the squid from splatoon uh, <laughs> and that the the splatoon music's actually in there as well so you can actually if you like the music of splatoon and it's really good music you can actually enjoy the music without having to play the crappy game to go with it um <laughs> wow yeah i went there harsh <laughs> 
I, I, sorry, Ginny, I know you're a big fan of Splatoon, but it's terrible. Yeah. Well, we can, <laughs> at least we agree that the music is great and that Taiko has The music's it, great. So. Yes, the music's absolutely great and it's a good... <laughs> It's a yeah. drum track. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a really great rhythm game and I wanted to recommend it to everybody. Um, I know you haven't played them yet, Priscilla, but I hope you do go and grab it. Uh, and the good thing is, first goes rhythm game. You don't really need to play it in English anyway. It's really easy to pick up, uh, even if you don't understand Japanese. Um, and you don't want to wait for the maybe possibly localization down the track. I believe the Japanese version is actually getting a patch anyway, which will put English subtitles and stuff in uh, okay. sorry, for, for the menus. So, yeah, don't don't sit and wait for it. Just go and grab it off the Japanese store right now. Uh, and if you want to import it and get the drums to go with it, because you can get drum accessories that let you play it just like you would in the arcade, mm -hmm. you can do that from Japan as well, which is pretty cool. On that note, we'll go to some music. I'll pick something from Taiko, I guess. I'll pick one yeah. of the tracks that are actually uh, one of the tracks that are actually in the game, and um, we'll come back and we'll talk about something a bit different. Welcome back, everybody. For the last section of the podcast this week, we're going to talk about another Nintendo Switch game, uh, which is dominating our mindset at the moment. Uh, Captain Toad. Captain Toad is our hero. He's the coolest. Um, Captain Toad was originally actually a mini game that was um, on the... What was the name of the 3D one on the Wii U? Super uh, Mario 3D Land, something like that. I'm I sure don't know. It was a, the, it was a terrible game. But the name. <laughs> it it was a terrible game because yeah, Mario 3D platformer. But uh, it had 
it had Captain Toad Sims, which are these little mini game puzzle things. And I remember playing those way back, and I was like, like I, I, I wish that this was actually the game I was playing, not the rest of this. Um, I was actually playing the platforming levels to get to these mini games. And then Nintendo obviously read my thoughts and came through, came good for me, and released Captain Toad as a separate game uh, on the Wii U. And I believe it was a it was a cheap one. It was a budget priced game, I think. Yeah. Um, on the Wii U, and it was it was good. It was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. It was fairly short, I guess, because I guess budget game and stuff. But then Nintendo's come back and they have now released it on the Switch and the 3DS for the people who didn't own a Wii U, which is pretty much everybody. And hopefully people are getting into it and discovering the joys of Captain Toad as one of the best puzzle games, I think, that has been released in recent years. And um, yeah, it's really good. I really like it. I love Captain Toad. He's my hero. Controversial. <laughs> Very controversial. I think well, he's look, cute. Everybody says otherwise they're wrong, okay? I'm just, just putting it out there. He's the best. I think he's I think he's cute, but it's all a very crafted disguise. <laughs> no, <laughs> Why? Serious. Okay, look. Captain okay, just I just I know that Toad is cute, but honestly, ever since I played Mario Tennis Aces and it, you know, he does this thing, I don't know if you guys have played it yet, but basically when you're going through the Martinez Aces game and you lose a level, you're like a little dialogue with Toad where he's like, oh, better luck next time. But the way he says it just makes it sound so condescending. Like he's like, oh, sorry, Mario, you're just an idiot. Like, and it's just the sounds that he makes are just terrible and awful. But that's besides the point. The point is, if you, once you start Treasure Tracker, like the whole premise, right, is that Captain Toad is stealing from animals. He's stealing things from animals, animals that can't even fight back. But that is the worst part. He's a common criminal, okay? He also probably loves fossil fuels. Like, he, you can <laughs> tell. No, seriously, he's got a headlamp, okay? His headlamp is turned on all the time, even during the day. That is not practical, okay? If he's a so-called expert treasure hunter, he would know that he's not meant to have his headlamp turned on all the time. There's no good reason for him to be that energy inefficient. Okay, that's he's, the point. That's a good point. He's terrible. That's the point. He's really bad at his job. That's why he's so cute. That is not, hopeless. Okay. He can't well, do is... That's what's so great about him because he can't fight. He can't. He can't jump on enemies like in Mario. He can't throw stuff. He can't do anything. All he can do is waddle around, and it's actually a really slow waddle too. He can't run. He just waddles around. And you've got to get him from one end of the level to the other somehow, despite being like the the weakest and most ineffective protagonist ever you've somehow got to guide him gently guide him all the way to the end of the level and then that is the that's where the puzzles come from and that's why he's such a genius character because he's the most useless protagonist ever and that's what's great about him but he does throw things this he does throw things he rips up radishes out of the ground that are probably tended by the very animals that he's killing and he throws the vegetables at these animals and kills them the radishes it's he doesn't kill them he temporarily disables them they vanish. Wow. He, he's not sounding great. Why is he hurting and stealing from the animals? Exactly. He's not hurting them. Have you ever been hidden the head with a radish? I have. And don't ask me why, <laughs> but I have. I have been hidden the head with a radish, and it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't kill you. You know, it's not deadly. It's not. He's not using deadly force. But it's still inconvenient, it's right? You don't want to be hit in the head by a radish. Yeah. Well, they're coming at him. 
He's just defending. Aren't himself. they defending their belongings? Yeah. No, they're just walking. They're just walking around, like, on in these roots. They don't do anything. Well, what is he stealing then? Where? Who? The, the where's? Who? Who does the treasure belong to? Okay. <laughs> who does it belong to? It's not Captain Toad. He's just taking it. That's like that's like if I left, if I went, if I went into your home, Matt. In your garden, and you had some valuable plants there. And I just thought, you know what? I'm just gonna help myself. I'm Captain Toad, treasure tracker. I'm just gonna take Matt's valuables. This is completely fine because I'm cute and I'm the most useless protagonist. That is not how crime works. That is not how the law of possession works. It's your stuff. Not if you throw a radish at his head. Oh, but you well, never actually the see the the animals owning this stuff. It's just his treasure chest there. The bird lady owns all that stuff. Yeah, but the bird, lady, to... the bird lady steals Toadette at the start. Because as retaliation for Toad stealing her stuff. No, okay, look. that's a bit of a disproportionate reaction. There. Okay, okay. Even if even if we're not considering Toad's giant stash of coins that he's indubitably swindled people out of, let's talk about the Captain Toad aspect. Okay, let's talk about the Captain Toad part. Because we know from Super Mario Galaxy 1 and 2 that he's a self-appointed captain, okay? No one gave him that title, okay? Yeah, because he's useless. That's the point. The, but that doesn't, that doesn't mean anything. You can't give yourself military benefits and authority just because you want them. His title is invalid. And in Super Mario 2, he specifically says, hey, Mario, you know what makes me so special? My headlamp. That's right, the dumb headlamp. He doesn't even know how to use properly, okay? <laughs> what kind of soldier would be that irresponsible? The only thing setting him apart from his ordinary toads and toadettes is this worthless item he doesn't even know how to use, okay? <laughs> Why have we legitimized this traitor? What have we done? What, what are we as a people to legitimize his decisions? Is a toad brigade that he so-called leads even a sanctioned government operation? I don't think so. <laughs> but Ginny, we, we spend so much time complaining about all those stupid power fantasies that we get stuck with as our protagonists in our video games. Here's one who's the exact opposite of a power fantasy. He's absolutely hopeless, and everybody knows he's hopeless. And then he can't do anything. And it's different. It's it's original. It's it's a breath of fresh air, Ginny. Okay, I enjoy the game as much, as much as the next person, but I'm under no delusions that I'm aiding and abetting criminality. I think the game is a great game. I think the puzzles are awesome. And I really, even though I despise the tiny little squealing ingrate, um, I, <laughs> I, I understand the maps are innovative, the fights are really, really fun. And yeah, no, I think that the concept is great. But still, deep down, I know that I'm committing a crime here, Matt. Okay. I've had to reconcile that within myself. My love for Captain Toad, Treasure Tracker, the game, and my loathing for Captain Toad, the person. <laughs> oh. Anyway, well, so, uh, you should play this game. I, yes, I bought it on should. release. I'm, I'm just so busy. <laughs> but well, the good thing I do is have it. it won't take you long to play it because it's not a long game. It really yeah. isn't. Maybe I'll play it next. You can and play then I'll have this. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really, yeah, like, it's really easy to pick up and play for short bits of time and um, just filler in between whatever else you're doing. I think it's perfect as a portable, which is uh, the first time that it's been portable because it's been released on 3DS as well. But before then, I mean, unless you're going to cut your Wii U around, it wasn't exactly a portable game. Uh, mm. I think it's perfect for, you know, 10-minute train rides or whatever, um, lunch breaks. I, I think it's really good fit for that. And 
yeah, the puzzles are really clever. It's nothing too stressful. It's a great game to play with kids um, because they get really into it because unlike Ginny, they're not jaded about the world and they just accept <laughs> They accept they accept Captain Toad on face value, and you know they they like him because he's cute. And uh, there's nothing nothing too complex in there. You don't have to worry about in depths and leveling up nonsense and all that stuff. You just got to get to the end of the level, which is nice and clean. And to me, it's a bit of a callback to when Nintendo was at its absolute best back in its heyday. Um, it was about providing simple experiences that basically everybody could get on board with and really enjoy. And uh, yeah, they don't do that so much anymore. So Captain Toad's a breath of fresh air. And you know I'm right, Ginny. I think we can agree to disagree, but the game is good. You know what? Play the game and find out for yourself. Make your own judgments. Make your own educated judgments about the character of Captain Toad Treasure Tracker. And then you'll see what I'm saying. All right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if it was if it was Sonic there, I mean, Ginny would have a very different opinion, even if it was exactly did exactly the same thing. Okay, Ginny has biases. These are biases. <laughs> this is just mushroom racism. <laughs> That's exactly right. All right, so we'll go to some music and wrap up the podcast this week. Thanks very much for tuning in, everybody. We'll be back next week, and um, if you have anything that you'd like. For us to chat about, let us know because we're always keen to hear back from people who are listening in. Thanks very much. Thanks for joining us, uh, uh, Ginny and Priscilla. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thank you. And we'll see you all next week. I'm Mr. King Dice. I'm the gamest in the land. I never play nice. I'm the devil's right hand man. I can't let you pass because you ain't done everything. Bring me those contracts, come on, bring them to the king. If you haven't finished your past, haven't worked assiduously, no, I cannot let you pass. Don't you mess with me. Don't mess with King Tide. Don't mess with me. Don't mess with King Tide. Mr. King dies, he just what I say. The devil has his price, and I'll make sure you pay. I don't have time to mess around, and I hope you will agree. Bring me those contracts pronto. Don't you mess with me. Don't mess with King dies. Don't mess with me. 